Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. We are the Pulse in Gassaway, West Virginia, and this is the appointed place for us to be. If you are joining us on Facebook, you are at the right place. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and uh, pray to the Lord and welcome him into this place. Jesus, we know you're already here, but Lord, uh, we got here and we are welcoming you, Heavenly Father. Lord, you are our hope. You, Jesus, are the one that we cling to, and we praise your holy name. We thank you, Jesus, that we have a place to come and worship you, and we praise you. And we ask, Lord, that whatever is shared from this pulpit or the other uh, classrooms or pulpits, Jesus, within the church, we pray, Lord, that everything would be acceptable to your sight. O oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer, blessed be his holy name. Well, people at this church know that I am a substitute teacher. I uh, substitute um, in elementary schools because I do. That's where I feel I'm, my calling is. And so this last week, I was in a classroom. This particular day was a difficult day to start out with, but we'll get into that. As far as the difficulties, um, I was asked to administer a test by the regular teacher. It was a math test. There were 100 questions. They had five minutes to do it. There was multiplication. But it was single, most of it was single-digit multiplication. So, you know, it was, it was doable for the kids. You know, it was something that this particular age range of students could do. And they'd done it before, so they knew the drill. I passed out the pencils, started timing them, and when it was over, of course, you know, I told them to stop and put down their pencils. Well, there were some things that happened within that five minutes. First of all, there was a student that, from appearances, appeared to be cheating. And so I made mental note of that. I had another student pout for 15 minutes because when we went to check our work, the, well, the teacher told me to, pa to pass out particular pens in order to check the work and then to get them back. This student pouted for 15 minutes because she couldn't keep the pen. And she's been in school since, what, the middle of August or whenever it is that, you know, school started. So this wasn't new to her. We checked every single problem. And I noticed one of the students was just not doing anything. And, you know, these were 100 questions that we were going over. And I was right there. They were sitting in front of me. There were just a small hand few, handful, and I was giving the answers. There's no way they didn't hear what I said. And so, but this person said, I can't do it. And can we go back to this question and start all over again 
And I'm thinking, we've already gone through all 100 of them, and the bell's going to ring here in a minute. You know, really, what was I to do? And so, as a substitute teacher, that was frustrating. It, it just was, because I, I felt like I wasn't accomplishing a whole lot. And it was frustrating to me also because they thought they could get one over on me, and yet I was the adult in the room. So I said nothing to the kids, but I made a note of everything to the regular teacher, and I said, it's in your hands now. However you decide to handle this or not handle it, it's up to you. And so I kind of grumped around about it the rest of the day. Yesterday, when I went to try to have some prayer time, I was still kind of grumping around about it. And I thought, this is no way to start out my prayer time. You know, why, you know, this is just no way to do it. So I started praising the Lord. And Jesus spoke to me and said, what were the good things that happened yesterday? Tell me about the good things that happened yesterday. I said, well, Lord, there were two students that came in. They were having trouble with this particular subject. This student wasn't able to do that, and I saw them actually make progress through explanation and teaching. This student over here, the exact same thing. I thought, now, Jesus, I didn't have a job yesterday, but you gave me a job. I made a paycheck yesterday, Jesus, and my husband and I, uh, we were blessed with some finance, and so uh, the paycheck that I made yesterday will go towards uh, the tithe of the finance that we had received. And before you know it, I was singing Jesus' praises. I, I was uplifted. You know what, kids, the, when the word says Jesus can take a, a bad situation and make some good come out of it, he means what he says. If we'll give him an ear. And as I was driving to church today on this uh, windy road coming into Gasaway, I saw the word hope. That word means a lot to me, and it should you. Each of us in this room, and if you're listening, there's hope. What is that all about? Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. All our hope is in Jesus. Thank God yesterday's gone. Oh, our sins are forgiven, and we are washed of the blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for hope. Thank you, Lord, that you can take a situation and garner good out of it if we give you ear. Hallelujah, blessed be your holy name. Oh, if you're in a messy situation, if you've done this, this, that, whatever, it doesn't matter. You can get washed of the blood. There's hope for you. It doesn't matter what you did. You can feel like you are the worst sinner, or maybe you barely did something, but guess what? It was wrong anyway. But there's hope for you. There's hope for me. There was hope for me. There was hope for me when I went to pray yesterday. And there's hope for you. 
And I just want to thank the Lord for that. And if you need that hope today, why don't you just say yes and amen to Jesus today? Just tell him your heart. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to come into his kingdom. He wants to save you. And he, but he wants to pick you back up if you, if you let go of him. He can do that as well. So we praise him and we thank him. We honor him for it. We glorify him for it. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, that we serve, indeed, a risen Savior that's in the world today. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow, that was wonderful, honey. I mean, it really does tell us, doesn't it, that if we have a bad situation, and we all have them in our life, don't we? We all have bad days. We all have days that can just really pull us down. But what she's saying is if we start concentrating on the positive things, you know, it's like that old adage, uh, a glass half full or half empty. You have a choice to look at it one or the other, right? But as believers, if we do what she just said and look at the positives, we see the negatives, we see the things going on, and we don't ignore them. But if we start thinking about the positives, somehow that helps to balance it out, doesn't it? And gives you hope again. And one thing the devil would love to do is steal your hope. Good morning. I'm John Sandy, my wife Cynthia. This is the Paulson Gas Away. We're here every Sunday morning, Lord helping, at 10 a.m. to bring you a series that we're working on from time to time today. We are on part three on There's Coming a Shaking. And boy, is that apropos for today. We have personal shakings in our life, and we have the world shaking around us. I've never seen this country change so much in such a short period of time. I personally believe that something's been released. The attack is on. You know, folks, the Word talks about how there's a pressing. And someone had an interesting observation that the devil isn't coming out to expose himself. He is being forced out. He has been forced to expose himself. You think, well, boy, the devil's really having his way today in our world, isn't he? This is going on. That's going on. Uh, the devil's being exposed. That's what's going on right now. He is being exposed. And if we are close to the Lord, the Lord will help us to know, see it, and help us to identify it, and help us to uh, stand our ground against it so it doesn't overtake us. Because it does. Things Right? We could all raise our hand. There are days where it just seems like we're overwhelmed by the things of this world. And, in, and the devil wants you to think, well, it's because you weren't faithful. <laughs> Isn't it interesting the devil will tell you where you miss God's will? <laughs> he, he tells you where you miss it. He wants you discouraged. He wants you down. He wants you full of fear. If God ever points out anything in your life that needs to change, he will encourage you in the midst of that. Isn't that wonderful? So in our part three, let's continue on. We're going to look at Matthew 7 and 1. Matthew 7, 1. Now, I don't believe I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to paraphrase this, guys, so it's not anything to put up if you don't want to on this particular one. But it tells us that we are to judge righteously as God judges. See, God is our example. And his son Send his son that we could have someone that we could touch and see personally as 
his example on earth. So God sets a standard. He sent his son to show us that standard. So we are to judge righteously as God does. So the first question you think is, how does God judge? This means, the term to to judge righteously means to judge justly. Makes sense, doesn't it? To judge justly. For example, honest judge or God of justice. Now, one thing that we know is that whatever God does, it is righteous. Whatever God does, it is justified. It's not just that he's God and because I'm God, I'm going to tell you what to do. Well, let me tell you something. God lives by his own standards. He expects from him and his son and the Holy Spirit to live by his standards. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of my Father. So as we watch Jesus, we find out what our God's like, and he's pretty awesome from what I see. Wonderful God. Jesus' hardest, did you know Jesus' hardest day is still coming? You say, what was Jesus' hardest day? Well, being crucified and, and beaten and hung on a cross to die. No, Jesus' hardest day is still coming because he is going to need to judge, one day judge the world. It's not something he looks forward to. Think about it. Think if your job was to judge someone you love very dearly, how hard would that be? And that is exactly what he is going to have to do one day, and he's not looking forward to it. This does not bring him joy. You might think, boy, he's going to get back now. He's really going to get back now. He's going to take care of it. Yeah, he is. But his heart is still full of love. Just like many believe he has the scars in heaven, some believe that he'll always have the knowledge of those he had to uh, remove from his presence one day. So think about that, what Jesus carries all the time. He continues to carry that which he is called to do. When we are righteous, we can judge righteously. Sound makes sense, doesn't it? When we, are, when we are righteous, we can judge righteously. And as I mentioned, I believe last week, we have no business judging anyone that we don't have love first. I was talking to our daughter last night about some things. We just reviewed with her how important it is that we love first. Number one, make sure you love in whatever you do. It will help to temper and balance all of your activities in life. You could see someone that has just actually done you wrong. And you didn't deserve it. But because of the love of Jesus in your heart, God can help you to have compassion on them because you know they're in trouble because of what they did. They Listen, we'll all answer to God. And if we see people treat us wrong, remember, they've got to answer to God for that. And so you should have compassion as best you can to love and pray for your enemies. The Bible doesn't just say pray for them. He says to bless them. Now, folks, that's, that's a challenge, right? To bless. Okay, Lord, I understand tolerating them. I understand keeping my lips zipped whenever they say something and I could come back. I understand doing that. That's tough. But you're asking me to bless them? Well, what does that mean to bless your enemies? It means to give them hope. To give them a purpose. Give them a way out of their situation. For if they knew how much Jesus loved them, that would change their lives forever. 
See, we need a revelation of his love. Because once you had that revelation, then you're now able to practice that in your own life because you see his example and you understand it. He's come. It says here, when God judges, there is a shaking. Every time God judges, there is a shaking. Now, there's a final judgment coming. God's not judging yet. Okay? I understand what I'm saying. God is not judging yet. That is coming. There's a judgment coming. Right now, he's not doing that. Old Testament, different story. <laughs> We'd probably have a lot of crispy critters around the day if God judged like he did in the Old Testament. But he's, he's a righteous God, and so he's going to judge what? Righteously. That means he's going to judge on the final day. That is when God's judgment is going to come. And God is still creating. We know just from science that the, the, our universes are ever-expanding at an unbelievable rate. God is still creating. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. That's something coming. He's preparing. God is always creating. Isn't that awesome? Even when you get to heaven, he will always be creating because that's just who God is. That's why he wants us to continue to grow. That's why when we get to heaven, we'll have jobs and things to do. We'll have responsibilities because even in heaven, we can grow. Now, we'll have the knowledge of Christ. We'll be in his likeness. But God is going to give us opportunities to continue to grow in heaven. We have a lot to look forward to, a lot of wonderful things. So, not just of the wicked, as I mentioned, God's come to judge, and when he judges, it will be a shaking. Not just of the wicked, but a shutting of a door for some and a choosing for others. I'm going to say that again. Not just the judging of the wicked, because when we think of judgment, we think God placed his judgment on everything done wrong, right? God's judgment is to also is going to shut doors. God's judgment will shut doors on the wicked. But he will also at the same time open doors for the righteous. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will let me in, I'll come and dine with him. That's a personal experience with God. He wants us to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. It's just like marriage. A marriage is not 50-50. A marriage is 100%. Because if you give 50, guess what you get? 50. But if you give all you have, you'll get all they have. That's just the way love works. God is the same way. In the 16th chapter of Numbers, Moses, Moses had to deal with insolence by Korah, Dathan, Abram, along with 250 Israelite men who were appointed members of the council. Now, these were people that were, you might consider the inner circle. So, God, Moses had to deal with a lot of stuff. We know that. We think, how did he do it? <laughs> I mean, constant complaining, right? God provided a cloud by day and a fire by night. And when they complained about what they had, did, had that God gave them manna, when they complained about manna, God gave them quail. And I'm sure after a while they complained about that. And Moses got frustrated, didn't he, when he struck the rock and, and that affected his destiny. 
So he had to deal with a lot of insolence in front of people. And we read about it, many cases in the Bible. As a group, they opposed Moses and Aaron, his brother. Now, here's what's interesting. And you and I see this today. Folks, sin has never changed. There's nothing new today in sin than has been on the earth from the beginning. There's nothing new. Now, due to technology, it may give you different platforms for sin, but sin is sin. Paul dealt with it in the church. Incest and different things, he dealt with it in the church. Can you imagine if, if God judged offerings today like he did when the, the couple didn't tell the truth about the property they sold? Folks, they were not, they did not have to do that. They chose to do that to sell their property. But they had on the son, if you remember the story. And one at a time, they drugged them out. They died right there. Can you, have a, can you imagine today having an offertory like the Old Testament? Just wait for someone to fall out, not in the spirit. I mean, to drop dead. Can you imagine you go to a church and there's men in the back wait to, waiting to drag people out after the offering? Because you dropped some change in there instead of uh, a real tithe, or you didn't give 10%, you gave 9 and they're dragging you. I mean, just think about it. God's a merciful God, and he's working with us. He's trying to help all of us. So here Jesus has Korah and all these others that are coming against him. But let's find out what was the true reason why they opposed him. In case you may not be aware of that, as we as we continue to look at that scripture, even the, even with their position, now remember they had a position in the council with Moses and the people. They had reputable positions. They resented that Moses and Aaron were appointed over all the Israelites. Jealousy. Jealousy. They were jealous. So. Do you get jealous if someone has a higher position over you? Do you regret? Do you covet something someone else has? Well, Moses had to deal with it. Again, we're talking about Old Testament. So, Moses told them that in the morning that the Lord would show all who he had chosen to lead them. In other words, God's put me in charge here, and tomorrow morning, he's going to prove it. Well, if you're familiar back then with the Old Testament and how God judges, I'd be rather concerned, would you not, if he says tomorrow morning, I'm going to reveal to you who's in charge, because they were bucking him. See, they were coming against him. See, one of the things I want to share later on in this message on there's, a, there's coming a shaking is how Jesus responded to the crowds. And it's very easy to miss in studying the Scriptures where the Bible tells you that the crowd followed Jesus or the crowd showed up. Pay attention to little things like that because it's giving you a picture of what Jesus had to come against in the spirit of people. Well, Moses had to deal with that spirit, that jealous spirit. And it's an ugly spirit because that spirit picks up a lot of other spirits on the way. You could be envious jealous, covetous, all kinds of things going to attach themselves 
to not wanting, uh, not yielding to authority. See, people buck authority, and they find all kinds of reasons for doing it. When someone says to you, when they see something that may appear a little bit ungodly, and they go, well, I see that's the, that, if, that's, if that was my church, I'd be gone. Well, I understand there's a righteous anger there. There's room for that. But if we're not careful, carnality will get involved in our righteous anger and cause us to respond in the flesh, and we end up being no good to the situation at all. We saw the problem. We see that it's unrighteous, but because of carnality, we get prideful in the fact that we saw that they did the wrong thing, and I wouldn't put up with that. Before you know it, they're opposing the pastor. They're walking out in the church. They'll say, I'm going to take my tithe and go somewhere else. I'm going to take my toys, in other words, and go somewhere else. People love to threaten a pastor with their tithe. They do. They love to let him know in subtle ways that I just might be leaving here and my wallet. See, that's what they do. So we deal with a lot of spirits when it comes to um, jealousy and envy and of other people. So he's already told them that God's going to show them tomorrow morning uh, who's, who's in charge here. And when God chooses someone, folks, that's it. I mean, if, it's up to God. To, if people fall, it's up to God to judge that situation. Now, you can help the person that's fallen. You may have to put them in a place where they are. you can help them recover. See, th what I'm getting at is when people fall, our jobs are not to cut them off and say, you don't belong here, you fail. No. Our job is to restore each other. Our job is to encourage each other. One man had a visit where he went to heaven, and one of the things that the Lord told him was, encourage each other. You need to encourage each other. We're all different, right? We all have different backgrounds, different hurts, different scars and wounds, and things that have been done to us that we don't deserve. We all have them. As believers, the very least that people should feel in here is that they are loved the way they are. We need to love each other. Numbers 16, verses 31 through 35. Numbers 16, verses 31 through 35. As soon as he, and we're speaking to Moses, now remember what he just told the people, right? As soon as Moses finished saying all this, <laughs> God doesn't waste any time sometimes. Because, see, God's been dealing with Korah for a while. Korah didn't just come on the scene with his buddies. You know, they love to travel in a pack because they can support each other. One godly person can, can break up darkness from light. But darkness has to surround itself with other darkness because it's easily deceived and it's easily revealed through the light of God. It only takes one light. So, <clears throat> as soon as you said this, let me read this again because this is, this is amazing. As soon as Moses finished saying all this, the ground underneath them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households. And their households. 
and all those associated with Korah together with their possessions. God wants us in our home to clean house. He wants us to have the proper influence on our children, our neighbors, our co-workers, and everybody. There were times in the Old Testament when God would wipe out the whole community because the seed of the parents were in the children. Now, that sounds awful rough, and I know that that's a tough one to swallow. But God knew that he had to get sin out of the camp. And it's unfortunate. But God is a righteous God. We just mentioned that a while ago. So keep that in mind. When you don't understand why God does what he does, it's always because of his standards of holiness that he put on himself and not just you and me. Jesus required everything of himself that he saw in his Father. Otherwise, how could Jesus say to you and me, you need to straighten up, or you need to live right, or how long do I have to be with you before you get this? Different things Jesus would say. He had to live it before he could judge it. The thing about Jesus is because he was like his Father, his judgment was full of love. We serve a merciful God. Folks, there are people, I believe, there are going to be people in heaven that you didn't think were going to make it. Because you judged the situation, and you may have thought you were looking at it properly, but God has greater mercy than we realize. And I believe there will be people in heaven that you will not expect to be there. And it will be a wonderful thing, because I don't want anybody to miss it. Do you? Even my worst enemy, I don't want them to miss it. I want them to repent. I want to love them to repentance. And I want to see them make it. Folks, it's not about us. Remember I told you, it's not about us. It's for us. It's not about you. And what I'm saying when I say that is, it's not about the little things that we have on earth that are going to last very long. No, it's about, it's for you. In other words, the kingdom of God in your life, operating and receiving the blessings of walking with him. That's what I mean when I say that. So all those associated with Korah that I mentioned earlier, together with their possessions, all the ground opened up and swallowed them. Their whole households, their possessions, and themselves. They went down alive into the realm of the dead with everything they owned. See, folks, we know, we've been taught that we're not taking stuff to heaven with us, right? We're storing it up there. It's kind of like Amazon in heaven. You buy things by being faithful. You store things up, and you ship them on the heaven. But if you store them up here, they're going to die with you, or your relatives are going to inherit it. When you leave this world, everything you own, someone else is going to wear and live in. When you leave this world, everything you have and you possess, others will have and live in. You won't take it with you. You store it. Through your faithfulness, your love, God's going to bless you and have wonderful things. And see, as I mentioned before, whatever you make, whatever you gain on earth ends when you die. But if you store it up in heaven instead, what you get there you'll have for eternity. That's a good deal. Someone used this analogy. 
If you took a rib and you stretched it from here to eternity, which is infinite, and placed a grain of sand one place on that ribbon, that would be your life on earth. It's not very long, folks. It's not very long. And we need to give everything we have to Jesus right here. Forget about uh, your hurt feelings. God will minister to those. He cares about your hurt feelings, but he wants you to grow from them. See, it's like shaking. God doesn't cause all shaking, but he does the final shaking. God will do the final shaking. He will be there at the end for the judgment. That's when God shakes. That's when doors close and doors open. And they're permanent. But while we're on earth, we're going to experience shaking, shakings. And I mentioned four categories. We're going to experience shaking from different reasons. Natural shaking. Shaking because we have sinned. Shaking because the devil wants to discourage you. And all of them for our good. You mean God wants us to be hurt? No, no, no. He said, I'll work them for your good. If you'll give them to me. See, folks, here's the problem. We get in a hard place, and one of the hardest things, that I, I'll tell you right now, for me, one of the hardest things to do when you get into a shaking or something just rocks your world is to press in and give it to Jesus. Hand it over to him. Let him take it. Then God can work all things for our good. We can grow from it. He'll give you a great testimony. He'll give you more than you lost. That's my God. That's my Savior. That's He. So they went down live into the realm of the dead with everything that they owned. The earth closed over them, and they perished and were gone from the community. Now here they were councils in the community. They held high positions in the community. But their character did not match the, their, their calling. Your character has to match your calling. And we are tested through these shakings. Choose this day, as it says. So closing around, they lost everything, and they were gone from the community forever. Joshua and Caleb were the only original ones that left Egypt out of exile that entered the promised land. Joshua and Caleb. There were none of the originals left when they entered. Now, the journey was 37 to 40 days. There's some, there's some uh, different opinion on how many days the journey actually was. God's journey for you is not a long one, folks. This life is not long. Your journey is not long. Their trip to the promised land was only about 40 days. But because of their choices, not one. So why did Joshua and Caleb, why, were they, why did they make it, guys? As my wife would say, kids. Because they were faithful. Remember how they went out with the other ten spies and spied out the land and came back and told great stories? Joshua and Caleb says, we can take them. The other ones, call, uh, someone referred to them as the 10 Spy Network. Are you, part of the, <laughs> are you part of the 10 Spy Network? Are you part of the two that said, God, we can take them? Do you know why they said they could take them? Not because they saw evidence in, they were giants. I mean, the, the things they saw, 
Why do they think they could take it? Because God said it was yours. Now, when God tells you something is yours, well, God doesn't speak to me. Open the Word of God. It's full of promises. That means God promised. You and I, during the shaking, and after as we come out of the shaking, how we respond to the shaking determines who we are when we come out. You can go through a shaking and be bitter and come out totally different than what you would have if you trusted Jesus the best you know how. Now, how do you do that in the middle of shaking? By being faithful in the shaking before. See, he'll, he'll, God will not put more than you could handle. That means whatever shaking you're going through, there is a way out through him. That's what he's telling us. And so all of us have reason to have great hope. God has never failed you one time. Do you understand everything? No. Did it work out like you thought it might sometime? No, at least not for right now. God will never fail you. He is never your problem. God is always your answer, never your problem. So they lost everything. So the earth closed over them, and they were gone from the community. At their cries, do you remember there were 250 Israelites also that were in council? At their crying, all the Israelites around them fled, shouting, the earth is going to swallow us too. Now, why would they say that? Why would they assume the swallowing was going to shake them? Because they were connected in belief and actions with those that he just took out. <laughs> you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're in a car that robs a bank and you're the getaway car, the law says you can be sentenced to the same as those that went in the building because you're an accomplice. They were accomplice to what had gone wrong, and they knew they were in trouble because they were guilty of doing the same things that were just judged. I do not believe that Judah, Judas had to kill himself. He said, oh, he was predestined to be the one that, that betrayed Jesus, therefore... I do not believe, now follow me here, and I've said this before, I believe. I do not believe that since we're created in God's image that he predestines anyone to go to hell. You are made in his image. Yeah, that is so good, Connie. Judas had a record of being deceitful before he ever came to Jesus. Do you think Jesus was naive? and didn't know exactly what was going on. Jesus knew exactly what was going on. See, just because you do the wrong or you're guilty of something doesn't mean you were created to fail. Jesus was not created to fail. He, he could have repented and been forgiven and been in heaven if he had chosen. But there was a character missing in Judas in these people, there's a character missing in there. So they began to shout because they knew they were guilty and it was coming. So the earth is going to swallow us too, it said. And fire came out from the Lord 
and consumed the 250 men that I mentioned earlier who were offering uh, the incense. See, they were a part of the problem. And so a fire came out from the Lord and consumed them, all 250. Every single one that were guilty were taken care of. The shaking closed a good door on some and opened the eyes of others as to who God had chosen to lead them. Now, you and I know this doesn't necessarily last very long because after 9-11, all the Congress was on the steps singing Amazing Grace, if you remember this. We're, we're, more, we're more in darkness now than before 9-11. So that was a temporary response, wasn't it? I, me thinks that for at least a while, all the Israelites after all this were going around going, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good, Jesus. I'm good. Can you imagine? After watching God consume these people that were disobedient, and they're all looking at Moses and going, you know, I got you, Moses. You're it. You're the man. You're the man. And you're walking around looking for cracks in the ground to not step over. I have a feeling for a while that they got the word. But folks, if you allow murmuring to come into your life, if you allow certain things into your life, they will reopen the ground. They will, they will cause a cracking in the ground. So as we stop right here, I want to at least let you know um, what happened with those that judged the call of Moses. There was a shaking, a literal shaking of the ground that swallowed him up. But there was still forgiveness if they were. See, Korah and them were after Moses for a while, just like Moses' sister that got leprosy. These, these people were after Moses, and they were going to murmur and complain until something happened, and something happened. She got leprosy. Moses prayed for her, and she was healed. <clears throat> See, if Moses would do that, how much merciful is God? <clears throat> so... <clears throat> When we continue on with part four on this coming and shaking, we're going to talk more about how crowds influence things going on around them and how important it is that when you and I go to church, we bring some sort of spirit with us because you are a spirit. You're a soul in a body with a spirit, and you're going to bring that spirit to church with you. And I want to go and talk about how crowds affect God's ability to work. I want to talk about that a little bit. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you for the privilege. Pray that something was said today that literally will change lives, to turn us around, to repent, and to fall into your mercy and grace and serve you. And I pray that, that everyone is encouraged today that you're there not to judge us. You are there to prepare us to spend time with you after the judgment. We bless you, Father. We praise you. We love you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory, and thank you for your help this morning. In every way possible, we give you the praise. You're so worthy. And I speak blessings over all those who are listening, that they be encouraged today. I want people to be encouraged today that there's great hope and love for you. Amen. Hope you'll hit like and share this for us and get the word out to others so they may find the encouragement that maybe you hopefully receive today. And we thank you so much for being with us. See you next Sunday at 10 a.m as we start on part four of this coming and shaking. Thank you.